Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, and I am joined here my, by my co-host, the Zoops. What's going on, pal? Oh, we're back in the ditch again. It's, it's back in the garbage. <laughs> throw, it, throw it all out. Yeah, not a, not a great game, but you know what? I, I'm, I don't want to be too down because it was funny. I was my, So my mom listens to the show now. She's become an honorary Leaf fan ever since we kind of started this thing. And she messages me the other day, and she's like, I'm really glad that you guys sounded a lot a lot more optimistic on Friday's show because you guys have really been gloom and, and sounded very glum over the past week. And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's been a rough week for, for the Maple Leafs. They have not played well at all. And then they finally showed some life with a, with a win, and then now we're back to square one. So yeah, we're we're back, and you know, uh, very similar feeling having played Montreal and having lost, and this was a, this was a crap game. We we can just say it. It was just a crap game. They they were crappy on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, night two of a back to back, always tough. Now the Leafs fall to zero uh, and four with just one point of a possible eight on back to back nights, uh, and that one obviously came in uh, the first weekend when. They picked up a pity point against the Montreal Canadiens the first time around. Since then, have not been able to pick up any points at all on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, but just to, to you know, kind of touch on this game, uh, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, uninspired. Um, didn't love it. Didn't didn't love much about this game. To be honest with you, I thought, uh, you know, I sort of went on a big thing before the game about how it needed to be a game where the top line guy stepped up. I did not think that that happened at all. Um, disappointing. Just a disappointing effort. I, I don't think... I think even with the second half of a back-to-back, it just it never really tricked me into thinking they were going to win this game. I, I was disappointed. I thought um, just a lot of low effort. Doesn't, doesn't don't seem to be cohesive. It doesn't seem to be working uh, at all right now. I'm not you know, giving it up and, and saying this is a total, you know, blow it up sort of situation. But there seems to be some level of early in the season, this being a recurring thing where the second halves of back-to-backs are, are pretty low effort, uh, low entertainment games. Yeah, and it's really, they don't seem to start well and then they really finish super poorly and once again kind of a collapse in the third period to the Montreal Canadiens last time they were up by a few goals and they collapsed this time they went into the third period tied at two and then was it seven seconds into the period uh Yol Armia right off the draw ends up coming in all alone and uh, beats the goaltender and then it was kind of all Montreal from there but that was something that I something that I really took away from this game was man were the the Leafs ever caught off guard and caught flat footed. There was about five or six breakaways. Like, I, I, to be honest with you, if I only saw the highlights of this game, I would think, oh, it, it was a shootout. Mm-hmm. You say, what are you talking about? Well, you know, uh, every single goal that the Canadians scored was seemed like he was on a breakaway. No, it was a penalty shot every single time. No, like it was. I, I just don't understand how this team could go out there and think that that was that was a a good effort that they put forth, uh, giving up that many breakaways and really leaving the goaltender out to dry. Yeah, I mean, we're going to say it again. Um, uh, You know, the numbers are going to look really bad on Hutchinson. And like you said, it's tough to be an effective goalie when you're 
facing constant high danger attempts, uh, breakaways, open shots, like really a uh, disappointing effort uh, on the back end and, and the forwards not driving nearly enough play to make up for it. And that's sort of been what we've seen is they, they believe that they can skill their way over top of some of the shortcomings and some of their lapses in defensive judgment. And on the second half of back-to-backs especially, they haven't been able to do that because they haven't had the energy. So, <sighs> not a great game. Not a great, not not a fun, not a fun great game. <laughs> no, and uh, not sure if you subscribe to The Athletic, but uh, Don LeCision put out a pretty good article kind of demonstrating it's entitled, Why Do the Leafs Struggle More Than the Average NHL Team in the Second Half of back-to-back games it's like well i am too i'm wondering this because that has been the case all season long it does a really good job going into it and illustrating it and a couple of things that i pulled out here that i'm just going to kind of quickly touch on here um when you, you you talk about shot share and it's and with toronto that really seems to be a big difference between game one of a back-to-back and game two of a back-to-back um so when they're rested their expected goal rate drops from 53.9% to just 40%, and the PDO from 95.6 to 99.8 in resting contests. That's the fourth largest gap in the league. Uh, but more so, really, if you look at on the defensive side, is really where they uh, their shortcomings are coming from. He says, quote, The problem seems to lie with the defense, where the team is giving up 14 more attempts, 1.5 more goals, and .9 more expected goals to their opponents and while the defense is tired games while the defense is tired games performing at a rate two-thirds worse than their offense Leafs have also struggled on both ends of the ice so that's a that's a really big difference you're giving up 14 more attempts on goal in the second night of back-to-backs you're giving up 14 more chances to be scored on and that's against a worse goaltender since we know how it works Hutchison gets the second night and you're mm-hmm. giving him 14 more opportunities to screw up. <laughs> it's it's really costing this team. It's extremely troubling. That that's extremely troubling. Uh, and you know that's one of the things we talk about: eye test versus numbers test. That matches up to me. It seems like they're uh, 14 more attempts per game worse, and and there haven't been many examples where they haven't been. The the first one against Montreal where they got out to a lead was the best they've played and that was still a loss. I I um you know there needs to be something different because I think we've both experienced this. Even in even in the wins this year, they haven't been a super it hasn't been super uh high energy. It hasn't been super entertaining. It hasn't been uh super fun to watch. So so I'm I'm a little bit uh sensing a pattern and, and hoping that you know, a full months now sample size of these style of games might be enough to be cause for some some change. Not not that you know there needs to be trades or or management, but there needs to be an examination of of what is and isn't working and and to try to try some new things. I think that's something we've been asking for is just showing the willingness to try something else and and to uh, you know try to change things when when things are smiling the way they are. What's kind of funny is I thought that, you know, the last few minutes of that game against San Jose was really good where they ended up, you know, it was tied going into it. And then with about five minutes left in the game, they ended up scoring the go-ahead goal and then scored a couple more on top of that. 
one via uh, empty netter, and then the other one was Matthews when he ripped it under the bar. And I was like, awesome, sweet. It looks like, you know, that that's a really good win against a good San Jose team. And then San Jose goes and gets pumped by Ottawa yesterday, and I'm a little less happy <laughs> about the, the Leafs winning against San Jose when they're losing 5-2 to Ottawa. Um, but anyways, uh, the, one other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about about this game was – the hit on Austin Matthews by Jeff Petrie. That's now twice, twice mm-hmm. in back-to-back games that Austin Matthews has taken a hit to the head and nothing has happened. No penalties and no retribution from the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Well, does this make you as upset as it makes me? Um, You know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, it, it does and it doesn't. Um. They don't really have other than, other than Muzzin. I don't know who that guy is going to be, and that's sort of a symptom of how the team is is built. We we talked for years. People talked about how um, skill, 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 and it was it was celebration in the streets that that's the direction the team was going. But, but now there's nobody there. Like who is it going to be? It's not going to be Nylander, and it's not going to be uh, Riley, and it's not going to be Cece. Who's it going to be? Andreas Janssen? Like who's who is is it supposed to be? I'll answer that question for you. How about the six foot three, two hundred and twenty-five pound Austin Matthews? Why well, can't he stick up for himself? He's rolling on the ice. He's getting. He's the one getting hit in the head. You wanted to take a shot to the head and then immediately get into a into a fight. That that's that's trouble. That, that's I'm not saying, you're to, I'm not saying trouble. he needs to get into a fight, but I mean, there's a couple of instances where you can go up to him and say, "Hey, man, cut that off or cut it out," or go and lay a pretty massive check next time you're out on the ice. But no, nothing. You're, you're just skating on like it's nothing. He's just taking it. And the rest of the team also taking it. And it's just, it goes back to a softness factor that this team is going to just keep getting bullied if they don't prove that there's going to be some consequences for it. I don't know mm-hmm. if that really means that they need to go out and get a, like a Ryan Reeves type player or a Matt Martin type player. But, you know, I, I just, I fear that this is going to become a pattern where opposing players and teams think that they can take runs that are superstars and there's not going to be any type of retribution for it and they're not going to and they're just going to get away with it that's yeah, my only it, issue with this no I'm, I'm with you I don't I don't know that Matthews himself is the guy I don't know that you want him involved in that type of play but there just isn't many options for that but it is something where you know you wouldn't mind uh, something more than the rest of the guys just sort of continuing the shift. At least, you at least you know, skid up to him and grab him or shove him or throw a little body back. It's it's Bit a, of a face wash, something, something. Get a get a call. Get get something. I, I agree with that. I, I know that that's you know, um, pull the old Phil Kessel two hander right across John Scott's something. ankles like something. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like even Absolutely. Phil Phil stuck up for himself. Phil yeah. Kessel. You can't tell me that Matthews can't do a little something, bit of a cross check, <laughs> like anything. Come on, like obviously within within reason. Obviously, I'm not saying to to just drop the mitts and and pulverize this guy when he when he's you know defenseless or anything like that. But you know, just stick up for yourself a little bit. That's what mm-hmm. I think. And if it's not going to be him, then have somebody on the team that that does it. Like have a fourth line grit guy who will be willing to to go out there and make the big hits when a guy needs to like Jeff mm-hmm. Petrie should have he should have been expecting something from from the hit and he got nothing from it like I, I just 
They're, it's just it's a soft team, and I think that they need to do something. Like maybe Freddie the Goat could be that guy. Like I know at this point we're hoping that he becomes a Rocket Richard winner, but uh, <laughs> he could add a little bit more physicality to his game as well. I think, in in my opinion, sure. So that was just something that bothered me about that game. And it's been a few games down a row. No, absolutely, and 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 if it. If it continues to be shown that it's something you can get away with, and it's something that you can just sort of continue to do, why would teams stop? Why, why would you? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you hit Austin Matthews? Like why? Why wouldn't you do it if you were playing against him? He's the guy you have to worry about. Well, it's clearly it's also like it's going to throw off his game. Yeah. Right. So I, I, yeah. I mean, if I'm an opposing team, why wouldn't you want to do this? No, you don't want to hurt the guy, but at least rattle him a little bit and throw him off his game. Like he's a lethal player, and if you can. Uh, you could throw him off a little bit then and get him thinking like, oh, no, where's the guy around me? Kind of like in football, if you're a safety and you got a, a wide receiver trying to catch something down the middle and you lay him out big, a big, massive hit over the middle, the next mm-hmm. time that he's going to make a catch, he's going to be looking around, and while he's looking around, the ball's going to go through his hands, off his hands, he's not going to make the catch. Kind of something similar to that where I think Matthews, if – if he could stick up for himself, then that that's not going to happen as much, and then he could just stick to hockey once you know he kind of sets a precedent like you can't just mess with me at will anymore. That's not yeah. okay. I think that's I think that's something that you know it's obviously uh, a less heralded part of the game now. People don't talk about it as much as they used to. It used to be a, a total necessity, but it it is something worth keeping an eye on as as we continue to go forward and and teams continue to take advantage of that i think it's definitely uh identified as a weakness league lot league wide and, and teams can see that you know there's there's no repercussion for that and and that's eh, it's not great we should pick up scott sabrin <laughs> <laughs> that's what they should do have scott sabrin be the protector for austin matthews uh anything else from this game that you kind of want to chat about no, I think I think the the less said, uh, the better going forward about this. We'll do our we'll do our good, bad, and the ugly, and then and then we'll move on. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, we'll do the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast, Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs. There was a lot of bad and a lot of ugly in this one, but we'll start with the good. Was there something good that you pulled from this loss to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night? Uh, I think I think it's tough. There was a lot of bad. I I, I think uh, you know I'll give it to Nylander. I think he continues to be uh, a positive player most nights. I think he continues to be in the right places, doing the right things. I, there just wasn't enough of that to call it uh, a huge success for anybody, but. I continue to like what I'm seeing from Nylander. It's it's not the the greatest praise I can give uh, because it wasn't a great game, but I thought he was he was generally uh, remained a positive against the Canadians. Uh, yeah, I think I I I'd agree with that. Nylander, he's, he's you know we talked about it from time to time. There are two players on this team that seem to be on a nightly basis, uh, or two forwards at least on a nightly basis that seemed to put together some pretty good efforts uh, every single night, and that's Nylander and Mihaev. And I, I guess we could give Mihaev the, the my good. He, he did have a good game, but I'm going to give it to Jake Muzzin because, once again, stabilizing force. Although that goal 
the, the game winner from Armia kind of got past Muzzin. Other than that, I thought they did a great game, also scoring another goal. Uh, I think that Muzzin's game is really starting to round out. At first, when he first came to Toronto, you know, admittedly, I, I hadn't watched him all that much being in L.A. I guess I watched him through at the playoffs when they were, you know, a perennial playoff team. But, you know, I didn't really take a good stock in, in his style of play. I just knew that he was a good, hard-nosed, uh, defensive-style defenseman. But he's really kind of rounded out into a, a decent two. I don't want to call him a two-way guy because he still is a really good stay-at-home defensive defenseman. But he does have more offensive upside than I thought. And it, it seems like the past few games, it, it's he's kind of broken out of a shell a little bit. Um, and he's he's really been uh, surprising me. And I thought that, again, he had a good game uh, against Montreal. Yeah, and he's really had to. I think that's that's the good and the bad of it. Which is, is he's, weird he's, because his yeah. his his partner is Tyson Berry. Like yeah. who bad game. <laughs> yeah, I think that leads right in him. He was Tyson Berry was going to be my bad. Uh he as as good as Muzzin has been, he has struggled uh especially lately. It doesn't uh, you know, early in the year in the first couple of games, I was uh very impressed. I thought I thought, you know, uh, a big upgrade from Jake Gardner, but he seems a little unsure right now, not quite got his footing, um, making some mistakes, uh, not driving play the way we would like, and and it's palpable. It's, it's visible. You can see it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he He's my ugly, actually. I thought that you know Tyson Berry had a very, very ugly game, um, it, and he's somebody who, if this team is going to turn it around and really start to play much better hockey, play more consistently, it like I don't want to say it starts with Tyson Berry because it doesn't. It starts with Matthews and Marner, but on the back end, Berry's needs to be better, and he's in a contract year too. Like I thought that he was going to come out and just light the league on fire playing on this team with the amount of offense that they have. And he had four assists in the first three games, and then he's gone 10 games without a point. Mm-hmm. Like, when do you see that? Like, Tyson Berry, this is a guy who's averaging 50-plus points a season before coming over to Toronto. I, if I look through over the past five seasons how often he went 10 games without a point in Colorado, I'm sure it's not a lot. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. It's been... Uh... It's been a lot. It's been yeah. an absolute lot. He's got to pick things up. Uh, but for me, <laughs> my bad, I went ugly first, but for me, my bad, the schedule maker. Again. Mm-mm-mm. Like, to start the season, the Leafs had 13 games in 24 nights to start the year, four of which are back-to-backs. All four of those back-to-backs, the second night, they're playing against a rested team. Like yeah, it's troubling. <laughs> I, you really can't get much worse than that. You're well, playing, yeah. uh, you're playing more, like every other night. Less than that, thirteen and twenty four is less than that. Obviously, you got four back to backs in there as well. Like I, I don't know if it's just because we're in the moment and it seems like it right now, but I can't remember a stretch like this, like a, a month long stretch where I've seen so much hockey being played. In such a short amount of time, yeah, they've 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 really been behind the eight ball uh, a lot to start the year. It feels like every game they have is is either a start or a finish of a back to back. Uh, you know, it, it's it's I think it's partially to 
not blame, but it's it's part of the reason that they've looked so flat so often. I, I, I think there's, on one hand, there there's some conserving of energy in the first half of these games, and on the back half, uh, you know, they're they're drained and they really slow down on the way home. So uh, really bad. It's it's been it's been rough, and and the schedule plays a lot uh, in that. What was your ugly? My ugly was going to be just the general uh, effort in in these last week or so. It, it just feels like even in the wins, uh, like even the win against San Jose, like you mentioned, it, it wasn't. It they needed a bailout goal from Muzzin, and they needed a, a, a sort of a semi bailout goal from Riley. And other than that, there really hasn't been games where they dominated offensively, start to finish, and and really had the pedal down. And that's. Um, you know, troubling. I, I, ju- I just think there needs to be a turnaround here where they have a game where they look fired up and they look ready to go and they look like they're clicking on all cylinders. We haven't seen it in a while, and it's it's due time. They're just playing like a team that, that isn't cohesive and isn't a unit, and uh, it hasn't been fun to watch even in the wins in the last uh, week plus. The good thing is that they do have some time now to kind of regroup they got the game tomorrow against washington and then they got four or five days off to kind of regroup freshen up uh tomorrow actually we got some news travis Dermott is gonna is gonna check in we'll talk about that a little bit more on tomorrow's show when we when we tee up the game against washington but yeah i think just the way that everything it's all started um (laughs) thankfully we're over 500 realistically you look at all everything that's gone against the team in terms of injuries to start by missing Hyman uh by missing Dermott John Tavares has been gone now uh for quite for for I think five games or so um and then just the fact that two-thirds of the lineup was turned like just turned over like there was Mm -hmm. just so much turnover the fact that they are over 500 with this terrible calendar of the month of October um, I guess is a positive sign going forward Ho- hopefully if they you know the next four or five ge- days that they can rest up get their legs underneath them again and then you know get healthy things will start pointing in the right direction I think that's I'm, I'm with you there I think I think this is also part of an early season recognition that the schedule is pretty cramped and they know who they are more or less at the top end and and those guys know that it's a long year and there's a lot of hockey left so trying to find that balance finding that finding that balance between uh it not being great and and hope and maybe thinking that that they're saving something uh for some of these games and in the middle and 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 back end when when things get a little tight and and it's and it's really important to to secure two points not that it is ever not important but there's some, there's some, you know, there's a lot of hockey to be played. There certainly is, and through 13 games, the Maple Leafs sitting fourth in the Atlantic Division, and currently tied for a wild card spot. Uh, coming up on the other side, we will do an Atlantic Division rundown, where we're going to take a look at our power rankings from before and see what's changed, and that'll be coming up in just a few moments. All right, welcome back to Locked On Lease podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs. 
All right, man. Let's talk about this division. So Leafs sitting here at 6-5-2, 14 points through the first 13 games of the season in fourth place. Where did you have them in your power rankings when we did this a couple of weeks ago? Where did I have uh, the Maple Leafs? Yeah. I had them, I think I had them third. I had them behind uh, Boston and Tampa Bay. I think I had them right above uh, Montreal. And I believe I was higher on the Bruins than you because I was lower on the Panthers. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, you had Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Montreal, Florida, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa. That's how you had it. I believe I had Buffalo and uh, Florida flipped. I, I was I was low on the Panthers and, and higher on the Sabres. Okay. And then I had Tampa, Boston, Florida, Toronto, Montreal, Buffalo, uh, Detroit, then Ottawa. So as we sit here now, uh, 10, 11, 12, and then 13 games. Toronto the most with 13 games in the division. Tampa just 10 games played so far. So everyone's got at least 10 games. And the way that it sits right now, Buffalo leading the division with 19 points, then Boston at 18, Florida and Toronto, and then Tampa, Montreal, Ottawa and Detroit tied with seven points apiece. If you were to re-rank your power rankings, which is exactly what we're doing right now, how would you do so? Okay. Who's dropped? Who's gone up? Is Buffalo going to be in your top three? Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> just let you go. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think I think at the top, I think it stays. Uh, I think, you know, Tampa, we know well enough that Tampa is going to go on a run. They, they might they could go a whole month without losing. Uh, I, I like Boston to stay on top. I think they've shown that top line is dominant enough and the rest of the lines know what to do to be a successful team. I think I like Boston on the top here. I like Tampa number two and... You know, I still like the Leafs as the third. I, I'm, I'm going to stick uh, Buffalo in fourth. Um, I think I'm probably going to be pretty similar to how I was. The, and then I have the Canadiens, and then the Panthers, and then the Senators. I think the Senators might be better than the Red Wings. How about how about that? For uh... <laughs> I'm with you. I am yeah. with you there, to be honest. I think th- that's one of the – I have two two differences – uh, I think Ottawa moving up from 8th to 7th in the division. But for me, I think uh, Buffalo and Montreal, I'm flipping. I'm I'm starting to get on Buffalo's bandwagon here. They got 19 points in the first 12 games, plus 12 goal differential. Still undefeated at home, uh, which I believe they're the only team that is still undefeated at home. And they are. So, like, the, the, the Buffalo Sabres are really getting off to a hot start. And for me... I think that's all coming down to Jack Eichel. He's having himself a heck of a season. He's got 16 points so far through 11 games. Um, And, you know, this is a player who I thought has been kind of underrated for quite some time, only because when he came into the league, he came in behind Austin Matthews. And then last year when Mitch Marner kind of took a big step, Marner w- went fourth in the same draft where Jack Eichel went second. So everyone's like, oh, Marner, he's better than Jack Eichel. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I-, I still think that Eichel is an absolute superstar in this league, and he's showing it this season. That's a big reason why I think Buffalo has uh, really kind of solidified themselves as a playoff contender, whereas before I wasn't too sure if I was going to put them that far ahead. 
Uh, I had them maybe sniffing around a spot, but now I think they are, are a legitimate contender. They have seven players so far on pace for 30 goals this season. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they got some good depth on that squad. Yeah, we we talked in, in the in the preseason. I, I talked about how I really like the Colin Miller addition. I think uh, Rasmus Dahlin has taken the step forward that you look Definitely. for from a guy his age and with his pedigree. I think you know the, we, we, that looks like a really good pick, and we know it sometimes takes time uh, for defensemen to find their footing in the league. And I think he's he's done that, and he's ready to be a big minutes guy and a big time guy. Uh, Victor Olofsson as well has has played very well. He's been a huge find for them. Seventh round pick a few years ago, and he's a power play yeah. machine. <laughs> I think maybe I think maybe you know Carter Hutton might be due for a little regression, but we they also got off to a great start next, last year. But I, I think they're they're a little more well rounded than they were uh, a year previous. So I wouldn't be surprised if they stuck around and and made a run at, at a wild card spot this year. It's it wouldn't be as surprising as it would have been. Uh, two years ago. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so one of the other questions that I want to ask you is we, you know, we're ranking the, 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 the teams here, but if I could also give you maybe a top, this might be way too much of an ask for <laughs> off the top of your head, but if you could rank the top three players in the division, maybe I'll just outword it this way to make it easier. Where does David Pasternak end up for you? Oh, he's definitely he's definitely a top three guy. I think he's, you know, we've seen a lot of Marchand and uh, Bergeron over the years. I think Pasternak has elevated to being the guy that I am most afraid of on that team. He and any night, any from anywhere at any time, he can put the puck in the back of the net. Um, you know, I, I put him up there. I, I think Eichel is up there. Uh, but boy, then you you know talking about the division, we haven't mentioned the Tampa Bay Lightning yet, and that's still a team. <laughs> Kucherov, uh, boy, oh boy, there's a lot of talent in the division. Is 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 the long way uh, of saying this. I think Pasternak is right there, probably just below Kucherov. But if you put Pasternak on a line uh, anywhere in the Tampa Bay lineup, you could you could also pencil him in for uh, pretty close, pretty close numbers. I think twenty three goals or twenty three points in eleven games, eleven goals in eleven games, on pace for eighty two. Uh, this guy is on fire right now. He had, I think, mean, he had five assists last night alone. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> Pasternak is, and, and what's funny is that, you know, remember last year when William Nylander was was trying to sign his deal, and everyone's like, "Well, give him like the Pasternak contract. They're good comparables for each other." Yeah, we were very far off on that. Pasternak, in my opinion, is a top five talent in the league at this point. And he's still so young. He's only 23 years old. Like, and only making $6.66 million. As a, Leafs, as a Leafs fan, does that not sicken you? Well, I like, mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, we just went and we rattled off like five or six players in the division, and not one of them were Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, that's... That is that is the fact. That, you know, all the guys we mentioned there um, put up superlative numbers offensively. And if you're going to be, I think I think that's the problem that we're seeing this week with with the top guys on the Maple Leafs is it's more or less one way guys. And if you're going to be a one way guy in this division, you better be like an 120 point guy because the the, the one way players in Tampa 
like uh, Kucherov is like a 120 point guy. Pasternak is like 100 plus points. If you're gonna if you're gonna be offense only, you better be amazing at it because those guys play on lines with guys like Bergeron who can do it up and down the ice, and they can they get guys like Marchand who can get into the corners and be annoying and be a pest and also have the finish to score. So, you know, I think the problem is there aren't enough uh, guys on the Maple Leafs roster right now that that allow the one-way guys to really be 100% in. Do you know who I think the Maple Leafs are really missing in terms of <laughs> in terms of points that he's putting up this year? Nas and Kadri. No. Well, probably yes, but <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> so get this: the leading point. Do you know who the leading point scorer is for the Ottawa Senators so far this season? <laughs> who is it? Connor Brown. No way. Ten points in eleven games. Connor Brown. <laughs> he yeah. would be a decent. Uh, de- a decent ad at this point, wouldn't he? Well, yeah, there was a time where he seemed like a luxury. He was he seemed like it was you know, Connor Brown grows on trees, but there is it's a style thing. It's a, it's a style thing and a willingness to play a different kind of game. And uh you know, I don't know that I don't know that Connor Brown t- turns them into a team with with three or four more wins, but you know, it's the kind of thing that that was taken for granted when he was here. Yeah, no. I I just I don't actually believe that. I just was the fact that Connor Brown is leading has 10 points in 11 games. I think is hilarious. Uh, so that was essentially me just trying to bring that up to be, to be a hundred percent honest with you and the listeners. That was, that was uh, just a way for me to say that. Um, yeah. The, 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 this is a really good division. Honestly, I, it's going to be so tough. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago and we've kind of brought it up throughout the rest of this pod here, but like when you look at the division here, there's six teams that are all going to be competing for the playoffs, and when you couple that with the five or six teams that can compete in the Metro, it's going to be so tough to try and and make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, and then just trying to get wins in the divisional round, and that's you know to, to kind of bring it back full circle to it. You know, why a loss, another loss to the Montreal Canadiens is so crucial or so uh, could be so detrimental for this team. It's just because you got to get those points. And the, the Maple Leafs, it seems like, are leaving way too many points on the board because of Babcock's stubbornness to just not tinker with his goaltending rotation on back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. It's just... We're going to talk about it until he finally decides to start Hutchinson one random game one of a back-to-back and then hopefully wins it, and then hopefully Freddie wins it the next night. And then from there on out, we could say, see, Babs, you see what happens? That's how you win and get four out of four points on back-to-back nights. Booyah. Fingers crossed. (laughs) 
All right, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow the Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. Be sure to check back in tomorrow morning. We'll be uh, teeing up the game against the Washington Capitals. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.